Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on this year's inductees into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. Up first in today's country comment, and Kirk with Manitoba Agriculture will stop by to talk about the weekly crop reports. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. Time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program today is Ann Kirk with Manitoba Agriculture to discuss the weekly crop report. You know, the weather over the past week continues to be hot and uh, dry. Most areas of the province did not see any significant rainfall, so soil does continue to dry out. And, um, you know, the crop and pasture conditions continue to deteriorate as um, this dry Dry conditions continue. Just talk a little bit more about uh, the impact that the the heat and and the dry conditions. Um, you know, what's it doing to the crops? Yeah, it does make the crops mature faster than normal. Um, have you know a shorter flowering time for any plants that are flowering at this time. So, you know, in the past week we have seen um, you know canola moving along the growth stages, and in most areas having a shorter flowering time than normal. We'd say similar with flax. Uh, the cereals have typically finished flowering, but the hot conditions does make that flowering period shorter as well. Um, so the crops are shorter, and um, they are moving through the growth stages faster than normal. So we are starting to see some grain and pod filling in cereals, canola, and peas. And, you know, the heat and lack of moisture does affect um, the grain and pod filling in, in all of those crops. How's the uh, grasshopper situation? Yeah, it does continue to become more widespread. So... Um, you know, we have heard reports of grasshopper damage being severe in some areas, um, particularly in some of the areas of the interlake that have just declared a state of agriculture disaster. Um, there are insecticide applications occurring in all regions, um, typically on hay, pasture, and cereal crops, as well as some roadside ditches. What about uh, winter cereals? How are they looking? Yeah, so winter cereals, we do see them starting to turn in many areas of the province. So um, particularly fall rye, we do see a lot of... Um, uh, turning, so some of those crops are mostly brown at this stage. So they are starting to um, complete the the growing stage. They're likely in the hard dough stage, and um, you know, continuing to progress as a. Or, sorry, I should say they're likely in the soft to hard dough stage, and they're continuing to to um, uh, mature with this uh, hot, dry weather. Talk a little bit about um, livestock and and what uh, producers are facing there. Sure. So in many areas, uh, first cut hay is progressing. Um, I think it's likely finished in some areas, uh, but it's progressing in most areas. So because we've had a lack of rainfall, the uh, quality is good, but yields are uh, lower than normal in most areas. You know, in pastures as well, we do hear supplemental feeding in summer pastures um, and producers being worried about dugout conditions. How important is it to, to get some rain if we can? Yeah, it's, it's very important, especially for, um, you know, all the pasture and hayland and some of the later crops like uh, soybeans, sunflowers, uh, corn would really benefit from some rainfall and some cooler temperatures. Uh, so crop water needs are definitely the highest when a crop is flowering. So, you know, for corn, sunflowers, soybeans, they're still in that stage where they haven't quite reached flowering yet. So, um, yeah, some moisture would be definitely needed in those crops. That was Ann Kirk with Manitoba Agriculture talking about the weekly crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agriculture says the effects of dry conditions and high temperatures are evident in crops across the province 
as topsoil moisture continues to decline and crop hay and pasture conditions continue to deteriorate. Many crops are maturing faster than normal and grain and pod filling in cereals, canola and peas will be affected by heat and lack of moisture this week. Grasshopper feeding has become more widespread. Insecticide applications are occurring in all regions, primarily on hay, pasture and cereal crops, as well as roadside ditches. The RM of Armstrong has declared a state of agricultural disaster due to persistent growing challenges, including insects and lack of rainfall. The RM of St. Laurent declared a state of disaster the previous week. We got reaction from Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada. Canola is struggling within this heat. Uh, we rarely need some timely rains. Over the weekend in Alberta, they did have some kind of scattered showers and some bigger thunderstorms. Uh, but we're going to continue to need those to help kind of revive this crop and push it through the heat that we've been seeing this summer so far. She notes one positive is that disease pressure is low. Neil Townsend is Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. He commented on the canola situation. We've been fairly conservative with reducing our, our yield. I mean, we are low. We're at about 37.5 bushels an acre, which really greatly constricts the supply and, and necessitates demand destruction, both domestically and in particular offshore. And the Manitoba government has launched an online public engagement seeking feedback on the development of a provincial water management strategy. The last provincial water management strategy for the province was completed back in 2003. Engagement will complement the $1 million in funding announced earlier this year to support development and implementation of the water strategy. The fund will be administered by the Enterprise Machine Intelligence and Learning Initiative, and the established fund oversight committee will review and approve projects and activities under the fund. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, July 14th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll talk about this year's inductees into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. The Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame announced its inductees for 2021. Here's President Trish Jordan. It's quite a diverse group. Um, as I mentioned in, in the news release, we have Gordon Bacon, who who had a long-time career um, in Canada's pulse sector, but you know, I had a previous career with Canadian Wheat Board and working in um, uh, federal politics uh, in his younger days. And then we had Dr. Don Buckingham. Um, many people may know him, may be aware of him or not, but he's a professor and a researcher. And, um, you know, he's basically known as the, as the guy who wrote the book on, on agricultural law in Canada. And he's, he's pretty proud of uh, the mentorship that he's done with uh, so many of, uh, of the students that went through his program. And then we have a farmer, uh, Stan Eby, from Ontario. Um, he's an Ontario beef farmer, and um, he kind of led the beef industry through some really um, trying times, both with the Walkerton water disaster and then later with, uh, with BSE. And Joanne Ross um, from Manitoba. Many people will know Joanne for her work in, in agricultural education. And, um, you know, she spent 20 years uh, here in Manitoba with agriculture in the classroom in Manitoba and then moved on to kind of um, grow and develop the Canadian National Organization, so also a very deserving recipient. And then finally, Dr. Phil Williams, um, he, he was um, a, a serial chemist who, who worked um, for the Canadian Grain Commission. And um, 
you know, I was very uh, interested in his story. I'd never heard about it, but he, he basically developed a, a technology that um, allowed farmers and uh, to get paid for, for the protein content in wheat. And then later, um, that technology has been tran- translated or transported to the hog sector. So he's done some really interesting things. So that, that's a bit of a quick rundown on this year's inductees. And Trish, um Tell us how the uh, selection process works. Yeah, you bet. Um, anybody can be any member of the Canadian Ag Hall of Fame can nominate somebody for consideration. Um, uh, we are a volunteer-based board, and we have a twelve-person board of directors. And they each each one of us reviews the applications individually, and then there's a process where you have depends on the number of board board people that participate, but usually they all do. So it's a quite a high bar. You have to have 75%, between 75 and 80% of yeses to, to be inducted. And we go through a process. Sometimes people get inducted on, on the first try and, uh, you know, we go around and it's kind of a yes, maybe no. And there's lots of good, open transparency and discussion around our board table and you know, we follow our criteria to, to the best of our ability, and we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing to, to induct truly deserving individuals. So happens to be five this year. Some years we've had, you know, fewer. And um, I think last year we might have had five. Or not last year, pardon me. I guess we missed last year. Whether Last year we had four, and I think the year before we had five. So, And what will the um, induction ceremony look like this year? Well, we are. We have made the decision as a board um, we, to go ahead with an in-person event in November in Winnipeg. Um, we believe that you know by that time um, um, things should be okay. Fingers crossed for for an in-person event. But we we wanted to poll um, all the inductees and and their nominators to make sure that they were comfortable um, with an in-person event and. We also um, checked in with our 2020 inductees because, of course, they didn't get an event last year. And so it'll be a big event uh, if we're able to carry it off. And um, it will take place in Winnipeg, and we're tentatively scheduled for November 21st. Anything else to add here, uh, Trish? No, just that, you know, we... um, we can only nominate people or we can only induct people based on nominations. So we, we always encourage people to consider uh, individuals that they believe have, have done a good job um, and made some significant contributions, not only in their own pro- province, but uh, to, to Canadian agriculture as a whole. So we'd encourage people to um, consider worthy candidates and bring them forward for for review and of course as a not-for-profit we're always looking for individual and corporate members so if anybody's interested in supporting that would be great too that was trish jordan president of the canadian agricultural hall of fame that's it for the prairie Eggwire for today if you have any questions or opinions to share send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Canadian Semitol Association has moved its AGM to an online setting this year, taking place July 24th. Visit their website for viewing information. And Keystone Agricultural Producer Summer Advisory Council meeting will take place via Zoom July 28th at 9 a.m. Go to the CAP website to register.
Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, the province is providing almost $6 million to watershed districts programs. The additional $353,000 provided this year will aid in expansion efforts in the Pemina Valley Watershed District and the Red Boyne Watershed District. Cliff Greenfield is manager with Pemina Valley. We're hoping to um, expand to the east. We're talking to the municipalities in the, the Plum Buffalo Murray watershed, and we're hoping they will. Uh, they're interested in in joining the district. Um, we have, I believe, resolutions from Winkler, Montcalm, and Rhineland so far, and uh, they're interested in becoming part of our our organization. So, uh, I guess that discussion is happening. But definitely, the the province is in, and there is money available for that expansion. Are, are those uh, municipalities, are they part of another um, district at the moment? or They are not. So moving into the Red River Valley has, uh, has presented some challenges just with the way the, uh, the structure is and how they're funded for their municipal drains and provincial drains. So um, I guess we're hoping we can, uh, you know, we can solve those issues and, and bring them into the program without... Um, you know, kind of a financial penalty for them. Just overall, what would it mean to, to bring them on board? Well, you know, everybody in the watershed, if you're working together, uh, you can, you know, you're more likely to get things done and uh, have, you know, better results. So if everybody's part of the uh, the solution, then that uh, that's going to make it easier and better for everybody. Many hands make light the work. With the Red River there, would that, would that kind of help you guys in, in what you're trying to do or...? Well, it would definitely give us uh, more uh, grant, um, you know, more funding to, to do things, bringing on partners, especially, uh, you know, strong partners to the East will make things, uh, uh, I think, go smoother, you know, more coordinated, uh, more on a watershed basis. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. With the dry conditions here, I guess, what are, what are things like out there? Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's really tough. You know, when you talk to the, the farmers and the, in the different municipalities, things are, are looking pretty dire. Some areas, you know, aren't too bad, but uh, if they don't get a rain in the next two weeks, you know, things really start to turn and, uh, you know, the, the crop insurance uh, gets talked about and, uh, you know, yields are going to be down. And, you know, some farmers are in a position where they've uh, pre-sold and, and then have to find that, uh, that crop elsewhere. So it's, uh, it could be really tough times unless things turn around a little bit. Was there a certain amount of money that you'll be getting from this specific announcement? Or? Well, basically, the, uh, the municipalities provide a levy to be part of this program, and then that's matched uh, three to one by the province. So it's a significant local levy and a significant provincial contribution. Was there a timeline on, on when you were hoping to get this, I guess, finalized? Or? Well, it'll be this, uh, this year, basically, this fiscal year. It'll, it'll have to take place. You know, the province has set aside money for this expansion. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, I'm not sure what, uh, what the ramifications are. That was Cliff Greenfield, manager the Pemina Valley Watershed District. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. As the dry conditions continue, yield projections for canola continue to go down. Neil Townsend is Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. 
the next 10 days, the weather looks very grim for, for Western Canada. I think the yield probably has more downside to it than upside. That's going to be very favorable for the pricing because canola has a has definitely like a strong demand base. And I don't think people have really got the message yet that, uh, you know, our, our supply is going to be very tight. Disease pressure has been low in the canola crop this year due to the dry conditions. Justine Cornelson is with the Canola Council of Canada. Sclerotinia risk has been very low. We're starting to get a little bit more humidity, so there's that potential for it. But typically, a, a disease like sclerotinia, which is one we're trying to manage right now, it, it needs um, some soil moisture, and it needs uh, quite a bit of it to get the sclerotia uh, to germinate and, and produce uh, new spores to cause infection in this year's crop. So uh, disease overall has been low. And in 2020, certified organic fruit and vegetable farmers in Canada grew and sold more produce despite adverse weather conditions and labor shortages amid the pandemic. Certified organic production accounted for 6.4% of the total fruit and vegetables sold nationally in 2020. Certified organic fruit and vegetable cultivated area increased 8.2% to over 19,000 hectares in 2020. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll check in with Manitoba beef producers. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.